Welcome to another Sudzam and Hi, Ido Aharoni. Everybody knows Ido Aharoni. Ido was the longest, uh, I think, long, long time, the longest time, six years, the really? consul in New York. Oh. I think he knows about the Jewish people in New York more than anybody else before. Wait. Um, anyway. Big Ido. changes, huh? First of all, today, the, the first 13 hostages released to Israel like an hour ago, big step. Ido, but I want to ask you something before we get to the Jewish in the United States. Where is the limit of politically correct and freedom of speech with everything that is taking place in the United States, especially when the pro-Palestinians uh, rallies, they vandalize, they vandalize places in the United States and Nothing is, is being done for that. What is this? More than that, silly, because I just came uh, from Washington Square Park. There's a huge demonstration, Palestinian. So many police, but they cannot say anything or do anything because of freedom of speech. But they, vandal they vandalized the public uh, library in 42nd Street. Ah. And they spread in, the un in one of the universities. Yeah. Where is the line? So unfortunately, the 10-7 exposed um, a deep problem in, in the American higher learning system and to a larger degree with the social justice movement. Uh, the problem is um, goes deeper because we have a tendency to think that all those kids chanting free Palestine, they have no idea what they're talking about, they're supporting Hamas, they don't know what Hamas is talking, what Hamas is really about, right? This is, yeah. we're kind of giving them a discount. But the truth is much worse. They know what Hamas is all about. And still, they think that the uh, incomprehensible brutality is justified. And the reason they arrived at this place. How did how did they end up there? How did how did you end up with a woman like Susan Sarandon, yearning and hoping for Jews to suffer, and in the name of some imaginary reality that she lives in, that in a reality the Muslims are being persecuted, not the Jews. The Muslims are being persecuted, not Hamas attacked Israel. Israel provoked it. Israel is. That's Israel's blame in her twisted mind. And so she says, now you, the Jews, you get to taste your own yeah. medicine. Right? And um, and she says it from the shame of her white privilege or whatever it is that she... Yeah. So how did you end up with people like that that support Hamas knowingly? And it starts with the binary view of reality when when um and this is of course thanks to the algorithm and and cp knows how and silly knows how long i've been talking about the devastating impact of information overload mm -hmm. and so what happens is that our, when our hum, human brain is bombarded with so many stimulations we're unable to cope with it we're beginning to crave simplicity in the face of uh, of, of of growing complexity and one of the results is that we tend to uh, consume only information that supports what we believe in. And uh, the world is divided between good and evil. Uh, we viewed life in general as a struggle between good and evil. 
either you support me and you're good or not then you're evil and the that distinction goes uh further the world is divided between oppressed and oppressors if you believe that everything is about power in society right uh, this is the marxist view everything is about structures of power and economy society politics can only be explained through the prism of power um, then the world is divided between victims and victimizers and if i sympathize with the victimizers and i believe that the with the victims and i believe that the victimizers are evil like in the case of uh, of israel then um you know everything is uh, kosher everything is But kosher. where do you put the line either where do you put the line screaming saying marching is one thing vandalizing it's another thing it's another layer i think that tearing down the pictures of the hostages um and i've seen some videos shocking videos of young women mostly women this is shocking that women um are more adamant on this uh than men i've i've seen men taking pictures of young they you know they were wearing kafiya so i'm assuming they're palestinian or children of palestinian refugees or something but in any event tearing down those uh, posters is evil can you imagine me tearing down posters pictures of of uh, missing people after 9-11 and grand central um in the name of al-qaeda can you imagine a protest in favor of al-qaeda at union square saying al-qaeda had a point uh we are responsible for 9-11 because because of our brutal capitalism and the poor people of the middle east and the poor people of, people of africa are paying for our, our standard of living and therefore it's our fault by the way this is more, more or less what obama is saying When Obama is saying everybody's fault, no, no, it's not everybody's fault. The Palestinians rejected every compromise from 1937 until 2008. Every proposal that and was we, put on the table. And we, well, yeah, don't you, you think if no, we would acknowledge, we would acknowledge, wait, wait, if we would acknowledge. Here's the difference. Yes, Israeli government made tons of mistakes, and this particular government certainly is currently illegitimate. It doesn't have the support of the Israeli public in a, in a huge margin. If elections were held today, they'll be kicked out right. shamefully. But but having said that, with a few exceptions on which you can count on one hand uh, throughout history, um, you don't see Israeli soldiers go in, into Gaza massacring people gleefully, and cheerfully and we don't kill babies and if we if god forbid something happens it's not intentional that's the difference the the to support a genocidal organization that is against the law in the united states so it's happening it's But going to say it's against the law and still nobody's doing anything when they basically right, because of the because of the social justice movement for the same reason When I called the police to complain here in New York about um, you know some public disturbances, they told me that they're not going to do anything because they don't want to be in trouble. The police said that. Um, and um, because they don't want they don't want to get a complaint. and um, and so when you um, 
defund the police, when you make them more and more powerless, when you blame the police and law enforcement for everything that is happening, then of course, it's the perfect storm. But it's going to get even worse. It's going to get even worse because Israel is going to take out Hezbollah in the near future. And Israel will attack targets in Lebanon. Israel will attack Beirut. There's no question about it. It's just a matter of time. If there's one thing that we learned from 10-7 is that we cannot allow a jihadist organization to acquire military power along our borders. And so uh, we're looking at a very long period of time where Israel will give enough reason for the world to perceive Israel as the global pariah. However, however. How can we, uh, mean, how can we help? How can we uh, do something to reduce the public opinion who is so much against us and don't, they don't differentiate yeah. between being against policy of Israel and anti-Semitism? Yeah, no, no differentiation. I mean, nothing. It's the same. Right. By the way, this is and the the and this is the challenge because the anti semites, like Susan Sarandon, she at the end of her statement she then said, "I'm against anti semitism." Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's tough because you're dealing with people that don't even um, acknowledge their anti semitism because in their imaginary binary view of the world, um, Israel anti Israel. Calling for the annihilation of the state of Israel is not anti-Semitism. And that's what they do. Now, I want you to understand something. Germany, after World War II, the country that was responsible for more death in history than any other people, responsible for two world wars during the 20th century. Germany, a country that tried to annihilate systematically the Jewish people and managed to kill one third of the Jews uh, and also killed scores of millions of others, right? That Germany, that Germany, no one doubted for a second that Germany had a right to have a nation after World War II. Because imagine, uh, people could say, you know what, enough of the Germans. Enough is enough. Two world wars you brought on us, such devastation, you don't deserve to be a nation. Let's disperse Germany. Let's, let's just expire Germany. That no one, no one even. This is an idea that no one even entertained. But to say that Israel but has no they right came to... back and doubted because the, the because... decision. What? They came back and doubted what happened. I mean, they they asked, "Were we all right when we did this, the Holocaust?" You have now Germany, like almost like did some kind of a, a amendment. Yeah, I'm not talking about the German people. I'm talking about the world. But I want to come war, back to, to the United States. So my, my point is, my point is, in the United States, what you have to do is, and I, I doubt it that the American political system can produce that. You have to do two things. The first is you have to enforce massive regulation on social media and to treat those platforms as advertising companies, as media companies. They What they're saying now that they're connecting people, that's baloney. They're not connecting people. We are the products. They're not connecting anything. We are the products. They're taking. We. They're mining us, right? They're mining us. They're taking our information. They're selling it. They're using us as as guinea pigs and so on and so forth. And we'll get only worse with with artificial intelligence. So the first thing is regulate them. Uh, you need to limit the age of people that are exposed to certain content, and you have to. They have to abide uh, by the same rules that any respectable media outlet has to abide by, meaning truth and advertising. Everything has to be checked, everything. And if you don't do that, 
then there's going to be penalty. That's the first thing that will have to happen. Secondly, it's already happening on, on campus. The federal government should not fund universities that allow organizations that call for the annihilation of the state of Israel, because calling for the annihilation of the state of Israel is actually expressing an anti-Western view. And, and beyond that, um, there are two, 22 states, I believe, in the, in the United States that have anti-BDS rules uh, or regulations. Um, and uh, it's going to happen throughout the nation. It's going to be a pushback. And, um, and again, you know, it just so happened that 10-7 exposed that sickness. It's sickness in the American society. It's not just about Israel. These people hate America. I was just in San Diego, and I wish I had the time. I was I, I was at the campus of University of Southern California, UC San Diego, and I see students there walking around with kafias, and I wanted to, under, to, to understand what is it that they think that they're expressing by walking around with a kafia. What is it that you're pro Arab? That you're pro what? What is it? What does it mean? And I'm afraid that what it means is that they're anti-Western, anti-America. They were brought up with uh, yeah. um, a deep sense of guilt for being born to families that have money or a little bit of money and have the opportunity and they feel that they're privileged. And in their sick hierarchy of oppression, being a Jew and wealthy and white is the ultimate white privilege. And that's how they view the world. And it's scary because this is not just, uh, it did not start with 10-7, by the way. There's a wonderful article uh, in Tablet Magazine called Vanishing that chronicles really the process to push the Jews out from positions of power. And again, the whole notion is power. And it's an anti-Semitic notion that says the following, you Jews control everything, now it's time for us, the minorities, to have our share of the pie. This is implicitly what, for example, people But like this is not new. But That's what I'm saying. It started before 10-7. It's part of the no, social... It's for ye no, it's really not true. It's like uh, almost like a, a DNA of uh, so many societies and you know through the history. But you know, the, only, the real problem, how can you in America, because I wouldn't know, make the line between freedom of speech and That's hate. That's what I asked. Them. Because, you know, I did, we did talk with the president of NYU, right? The professor Miles. And she's, NYU, it's not really a campus. You come out, you know, like one meter out of every building. It's already a public building. So she so, yeah. said, we cannot do anything. And the police are standing there. They cannot do right. anything. Public, right. it's a public space. So, the, first of all, free speech doesn't protect um, people that endanger public safety. Um, and uh, if you're sitting in a movie theater and you're yelling on purpose, fire, fire, so that everybody will run away and there was no fire, you're not protected by free speech. Free speech is about opinions. It's not about supporting Hamas. Hamas is, I'll tell it's you an opinion. Why. It's not an opinion. If you say from the river to the sea, you're calling for the destruction of the state of Israel. It's like, do you think if I would say, if I would stand here and say, I support Al-Qaeda, immediately the FBI will be on my case. And that should be the fate of these people. And I'll tell you more than that. Um, the Jewish, the organized Jewish community 
uh, will have to crack down and name and shame and pursue all these people, all these professors that support Hamas. It's one thing to say, I support the plight of the Palestinians. Well, this is not what Hamas is saying. Hamas is saying we're fighting for the destruction of the state of Israel. We are massacring babies. We're doing things that are not allowed even according to Islam, by the way. One of the reasons, one of the reasons Arab Israelis are not cheering for Hamas, although they support the Palestinian cause, is because they killed Muslims. And they killed tens of Muslims, tens of Muslims, mutilating their bodies. Everything was captured on camera. And so the, the Hamas is not something that you can support in the Western world. If you support Hamas, you cannot be part of our society. Just as if you support... So how come I just told you, just came from Washington Square, and they're all I know, standing I know. there with the sign, you know, Hamas, Hamas. I know, I know it's happening. All I'm saying is that there's a point where the democracy has to protect itself from the very liberties it grants the public. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that point is coming. That point That's is coming. That's the question: Where is the line? Where do you start to harm, and when? Do, where do you start to protect? And it's a very delicate line, and you have to be very careful. But it has to be there. But well, I want to ask yeah. you something else, Ido, because you are very familiar with all the Jewish communities over the United uh, through the United States. Um, something is, is 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 going on. You know, all the Orthodox, and I'm not talking about ultra Orthodox regular Orthodox, um, they support, you know, they support the Republicans who basically declare uh, they take the pro-Palestinian out of the law. And usually these these uh, leaders are anti-Semite or they anti, they anti almost everything. And, and at the same time, the progressive Jews are against Israel and against the Jews. What's going on here? Well, I think it's more complex than that. It's not that they're against. Israel is always, first of all, let's start from the beginning. American Jewry was never Zionist. If they were Zionists, they were in the land of Israel rather than here. They came to America. They chose to come to America because they did not believe in the dream of Theodore Herzl. From 1850, more or less, mid-19th century until 1924, until the Johnson-Reed Immigration Act, 2.1, 2.2 million Jews came to America and only 70, 80,000 Jews came to Israel, to the land of Israel. That, that, that's the ratio. Even in 1948, only 17% of American Jews identified as Zionists. So American Jewry to begin with was never Zionistic. However, today it's more Zionistic than ever. And the reason why they're more Zionistic than ever, the two reasons, the first is Israel became very attractive. Israel became relevant to people. And I know that birthright was under a lot of criticism, but birthright actually is a lifesaver. And the reason why Israel became more attractive is because Israel grew as a, and again, I'm setting aside the kind of government that we have right now, but Israel evolved into a real country with great contribution to human knowledge and great contribution to progress, innovations that come out of Israel and so on. And that won the appreciation of many people, including Jews, and they wanted to connect with Israel. So now Israel has more people than ever. That's the first reason why they're more Zionistic. The second reason has a lot to do with 10-7. 10-7 will change a lot for American Jews, especially for soft liberals, people that support the Democratic Party, see themselves as liberal people, 
What Israel is doing with the Palestinians makes them feel a little uncomfortable, but 10-7 may push them, may push them to realize that this is not the time uh, to be thoughtful. This is not the time to be sensitive to the other. This is a time to protect the Jews because there's a real danger that American Jews will be pushed back into those enclaves that they had 100 years ago, into their country clubs and the hospitals and the city colleges, and the, the, the will is being reversed. And again, what's behind it is a deep American shame for not dealing with their own issues earlier in their history. And uh, and in the name of inclusion, which which became a new buzzword, in the name of inclusion, in the name of inclusion, they are happy to exclude the Jews. And that's exactly what's happening. In the name of inclusion, in the name of diversity, in the name of highlighting diversity, they are excluding the Jews, and they're highlighting the differences between the various groups rather than highlighting their similarities. Rather than demanding equality of opportunity, they're demanding equality of outcomes, meaning we want more people of a certain group in a position of power, regardless of their talent, regardless of their skill, regardless of their experience. And that's what's happening. That's what's happening. You see a push to get rid of the Jews, to replace them on boards with other people representing other minority groups or other uh, interests in the name of diversity. It's insane that in the name of inclusion, they exclude the Jews. And it's only the beginning. If the Jews will not push back, if the Jews will not fight this, it's going to end up very badly for the Jews. So they should fight, what, how can they fight it back? In what, what kind of rationale? So the Jews, individual Jews in America, um, are in position of power. Uh, you saw how Bill Ackman reacted to what's happening on, on the campus of Harvard University, and that and that had a, a, actually a pretty good impact because the students who participated in that petition um, immediately said, oh, we were not, uh, we did not know that we gave our name to this, blah, blah, blah. So there were retractions. Um, and then the reason is because they're not resilient. No one, no one raised them to face challenge, those students. Uh, they're not a bunch of resilient kids. They're actually very fragile and they're unable to deal with complexity. They want to cancel people they don't know, they don't agree, they, they're not familiar with their ideas. Their, their immediate reaction is let's cancel them. What they want to do is cancel Israel. We have to understand this is what they want to do in their binary world, in their binary view of the world, good versus evil, victims versus victimizers. Israel is worthy of canceling. What is decolonizing Israel, if not canceling Israel, right? So, um, so if American Jews will not push back, how do how can they push back? The first thing that they need to do is go after the anti-Semites. You can't go after all of them, but choose a few, a few. One perfect target would be that Cornell University professor, uh, Russell Rickford, who uh, called for the, he said on the morning of October 7th that he's exhilarated and, and, and energized right? He's exhilarated and energized by the massacre of babies, right? This is a professor at, at uh, Cornell, right? And he supposedly is the spokesperson of the oppressed. Um, take this guy and use him as an example for the entire academic world. And just destroy him. And there's no other way. 
There's no other way. This guy should be fired. He should not be hired ever again, not even to drive a school bus, not that there's anything wrong with driving a school bus. But he's not, if I, you know, I, I had a talk in uh, San Diego where I had a, a couple of mayors attending the talk. And I told them, I want you to tell me what you would do in your city, in your social services department, if you learned that there's a parent in your school system who is celebrating the massacre of babies. Babies were put in ovens, for crying out loud. Would you let him become a parent? Would you let him raise his kids? And the answer, of course, is absolutely not. We'll send social services and take the children out of his custody. That's what should happen to Russell Rickford. Such a person is not worthy of become of, of, of remaining a member of our society. And that's what we need to do. We need to take people like him, like Susan Sarah Demote. She doesn't have much of a career left, but people like her and just use them as an example and destroy them. There is no other way. There's no other way. And we must understand if we will not do it, it's going to be very bad for the Jews in America. How do so you say, people can say, well, you know, Susan, Susan Sarah, forget Susan Sarah, she's just a moron. She's not a moron. She knows exactly what she's talking about. Yeah, she but she's doing it yearning. for many years. Yeah, she she and, and Vanessa like this, this is different. It's this like... is different. It's okay to say, I support the Palestinians. Many Israelis support the Palestinian plight. Right. This is not yeah. what she's saying. She's saying, finally, the Jews are suffering. I'm yearning yeah, right. to some suffering of Jews. That's right. a different now they feel now, now they feel what it means to be Palestinian. <laughs> no, she said what it means to be Muslims in America. Muslims, right, sorry. Right. Now, show me the last time a, 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 a Jewish terrorist attacked a mosque in America. I mean, of course it's baloney. She's a complete fool, but she needs to be taught a lesson. And we need to use her as an example for the rest of them. Um, and so... So, so anybody is mapping those people? Yeah, I mean, you don't have to map them because... No, because you know, already... it's nice to say it, but you need some kind of tools right. to do what so you there are. are. Of, there are a couple of mechanisms that already are in place uh, to name, shame, and pursue them uh, because they are um, attending those demonstrations. They are ripping those uh, posters of the hostages and there are images of them. Now, it's very easy. Once you have the image to know who they are, because you can search the internet and find their social media profile. And the most important thing is to notify their employers. That's the first legitimate thing that you have to do. It's all by law. To send a letter to, uh, I saw that woman, I think she was a nurse. Um, you send a letter to her employers and say, we want you to know that this is what your employee is doing. And this is what it means. And here's a link to the video of the atrocities of Hamas. I want you to know what she supported. Now, 99% of the employers will not retain their services because nobody likes controversial employees. Right. And that's you know, there was uh, a doctor in NYU in the hospital now that he was posting something pro-Israel and he was fired. Right. That's the way it should be. Pro-Israel. Pro-Israel. Pro. He was okay. Well, the um, yeah. I don't know how that happened. Um, I know I thought you were referring to the case at Lenox Hill. Um, again, supporting the right of a democratic country 
to defend itself is something that uh, is the official position of the United States. Yeah, but you see, but a lot but of this... people, let's think what's happening in the West Bank. So nobody's trying, no, I know it's a bit taking it to the side, but you know the impact of social media, of journalists, and you don't need a lot of uh, people in the West Bank, the settlers, with tech Palestinians, to chip, you know, chip the the balance, and nobody's stopping them. Nobody's stopping, you know, the settlers, the whatever you used to call right. the hills no, guys. Ben yeah, and and you or also and you appoint a minister to really help, you know, support them. I mean, yeah, but you need to you need to make a distinction, which you're not making. Israel is a democracy, and for better or for worse. They chose, they elected somehow the political constellation created that problem. This government, and whoever gave him power, it's not the his base, yeah, right? That, he got it, it's no, actually Benjamin Netanyahu chose yeah, but him. This is another story now. No, it's I'm not. This about, is reality. Okay, now we're facing a reality that is much bigger than Netanyahu. Netanyahu will get, you know, we can talk about Netanyahu and he will have to answer many, the many ways to talk about Netanyahu. But he will have to answer many, many tough questions. And there's no doubt in my mind that he will go down in history as the person who is responsible chiefly right. for calamity for many, many reasons. And um, and if he was afraid of the verdict of the court in Jerusalem, he already got the verdict from history, which is much worse. Um, and so that's, that's uh, you know, I don't think it's a discussion that we... It's true that there are elements within Israeli society that are, uh, you know, that espouse racist ideas. Uh, they belong to the far right. But we, you cannot punish the entire Israeli society no. for the for the wrongdoings of of the of the small minority. I believe that one of the corrections that Israel will have to make, and if if Israel will not make that correction, we're in deep trouble. Is to make sure that we never bring into the coalition, into the government practice of Israel, elements that are racist, uh, because the 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 um, the impact is devastating. Right. No, there is no doubt. Tell me something. I do feel kind of uh, I don't know scared in some way about the young Jewish people. I can imagine myself being like a, a student or high school Jewish. Um, is confused because I don't know who direct them. Who, because you see the main problem that I claim of our students every every university that we don't give them the tools to be able to evaluate, you know, the information they get. So they just go like you know, and what's nice now they go for it, but in, with the Jews young people i don't know how can we keep them really understanding right the younger generation is facing a very difficult reality because the um access that they have at a very young age to the smartphone is very dangerous and no one yeah. is no one is is putting you know we should limit access to smartphones to a certain age just the same way we limit access to weapons and and to medication and uh because it, it it is deadly it limits your brain and again the worst thing that it does it creates because of the echo chamber the illusion illusion that the whole world is out there i noticed by the way same thing is happening in israel my friends the israelis and not necessarily young people but 
when you consume only Israeli media, you're under the impression that the whole world is against us. Right. Whereas when we look at the research and when you look at the positions of countries and governments all over the world, it's exactly the opposite. We've never enjoyed more support, even mm. now, even now. But nobody is really pushing it, this well, knowledge. Again, the, 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 the people that are aware of it are the people that get their information from other places. If you remember, Tzili, when we did our conference in uh, NYU, uh, my friend Nicholas Kahl came to speak from USC, and he, and he shared with us a concept of informational distancing. Uh, informational distancing is like social distancing during COVID, only with information. He said that in order to, to maintain our health, our mental health, we need to keep a distance from informational resources, meaning limit ourselves to very few resources that we trust, and that's it. For example, I don't watch television in Israel. If I watch television, I go crazy. I know my mom is glued to the screen. Me too. <laughs> and she and and when you are glued to the screen, they pump this ethnocentric yeah. ideas into you. And my mom is telling me, "Take care of yourself," as if as if you know I'm in grave danger. Um, and and again, I'm not saying we're not in grave danger. All I'm saying is that the the that view that that creates the perception. Uh, that leaves no room for gray. It's either black or white. Oh, either white. people are for us or people are against us. You know how many people are for us? I get pictures of of um, uh, of, of good Americans that have no, that don't even know Jews, that put in front of their houses signs that say we support Israel. There are many of them right now, and uh, and we don't hear about them. I, um, you know, my my talk in San Diego was attended by a few leaders um, of the civic society in San Diego, Latinos, others, evangelical Christians, others, all supportive of Israel. But Ido, how do you explain the Jews here that vote, when they vote for a president, they vote by his, um, his identifying Israel or helping Israel and not as their own president in here in the United States? That's usually the orthodox. Yeah. And the reason is because part of their theology is centered around the return of the Jewish people to Israel. Right. So the, there's a small group of Jews in America that vote in presidential elections on the Israel issue alone. That's the most important thing for them. At a time, and also a small group of evangelical Christians may do that. Not all of them, a very, very small portion of them. But for the vast, vast majority of Jews, the reason they vote the way they vote is because they still see themselves as a minority. Now, here comes 10-7. 10-7 changes that. 10-7 introduces a new kind of anti-Semitism. The Jew is no longer the evil other. The Jew is the establishment. So if you hate America, you hate Jews. If you hate the establishment, you hate Jews. If you hate capitalism, you hate Jews. And that's what's happening. So for the first time, the Jews are getting this rude awakening. No, you're not being viewed as a minority. You're not part of our coalition. We have a coalition of minorities. You're not part of it. And you are part of the establishment. You are representing the power. And again, I, I urge all my all my uh, audiences to listen very carefully, to go back and listen to um, Dave Chappelle's monologue on Saturday Night Live from right. several months ago, which was a well-crafted piece of anti-Semitism. 
uh, very sophisticated. Um, and basically what he said between the lines, he was very careful. Um, he said, well, I've been to Hollywood, there are lots of Jews in Hollywood, implying Hollywood is controlled by Jews. Now it's our time to have some but power. You know and then he goes on to say, and I'm a I'm an African American, rich African American who lives in in Ohio somewhere. He's very he always he makes it a joke that he lives uh, surrounded by poor white people. It gives him joy that he is wealthy. Mm -hmm. Now he's a member of a minority because he's also right. a Muslim. Don't forget, he's a Muslim. So it gives him joy. A member of a minority, he's surrounded by poor white people. Right. That's the right order. That's the, that's the way it should be. That's now, in psychology, you call it overcompensation, overcorrection. Society realizes they have wronged the group, the African-Americans, and now in the process of fixing it, they're taking it to the extreme, right? They're taking it to the extreme. And they say, someone needs to look at Black Lives Matter, BLM, openly, openly right. support Hamas, which is inconceivable given right. what did the Palestinian ever do for the rights of African-Americans in this country? Right. But you see, October 7th changed the world forever. And uh, America, listen. yes, it made a big difference. And uh, they elevated themselves. Human nature to, didn't change. But I'm talking about October 7th. Yeah. Changed the situation. Uh, and um, America was the golden place for you know for the Jews to come and all of a sudden the the earth is shaking do you I, I don't see that Jews are rushing to move to Israel because things are changing here and it's not good they're they're not doing this yeah I don't think that um, it's about that if, at least not for now I don't think it's about migration or relocation or all of those things I think that um, Jews will increasingly begin to feel uncomfortable. It's, again, it's already happening. Uh, yeah. The admission rate of Jews to Ivy League school has diminished significantly yes. in the past several years. So when Jews will feel uncomfortable, they again, what will happen is what was, you know, what, what happened in the past. They will retreat to their own little enclaves and they'll continue to do great. They'll continue to make a great contribution, but it's just going to be a different reality. And, um, and you know, uh, Ellen Dershowitz is a product of the public school system in New York. Yeah. He did not go to Harvard. He taught at Harvard, became one of the most famous faculty at Harvard. But that was the, that was the situation at the time. Jews went to City College. So Jews went to Queens College, to Brooklyn College. By the way, um, you'll see that in private universities, the problem is more acute than in public universities. And the reason is because in public universities, the relationship between the administration and the students is less transactional. In private universities, there's a, there's a bargain. I paid a lot of money to study here, yeah. and I demand safety, product, whatever, you have to listen to me. And administrators are afraid of their students, and they're afraid of their parents. In of public universities, they're not. But you know, but the universities, at least NYU, uh, actually, um, there is a flood of Asian students. You know, it's like unbelievable. They really took over because they can pay. They pay? 
Yeah. So they, and, they, and, the, yes. and NYU also, right. don't forget that NYU is, a, is truly an international university. They have 15 extensions and campuses worldwide. Right, right. And they have a campus in Shanghai and so on. Right. Yeah. And um, and again, the, the Asians also, by the way, um, they're on that um they're in that in that crazy hierarchy that they created, they're pretty high up near the Jews. Right. Um, and that's why you see a rise in the number of hate crimes targeted at Asians. Yeah. Right. right. You know, the hypocrisy of older organizations or basically is seeing the truth, you know, the Red Cross, the United Nations, Me Too, women organization. Oh, yeah, they the don't women, give a damn about us. Yeah. Are you pessimistic? Yeah, like, I, you know, I was always optimistic girl, always. And suddenly in the last, you know, even not uh, 10, 7, in the last three weeks, maybe, I became so depressed. And I don't really well, understand. Not, you know, I, I'm not depressed. I'm worried about the outcome because I don't know what kind of Israel will emerge out of this crisis. Mm -hmm. Could be a more militant, militaristic, suspicious, traumatic Israel, or it could be an Israel that that uh, wants to change, that wants to reform. I don't know. We we did not anticipate on October 6, 1973, that nine years later, we will have peace with our most bitter Arab enemy. So I don't know what Israel, what kind of Israel will emerge. It's too early to, to, to tell. But regarding pessimism, look, I'm not surprised because I've been studying this and, and lecturing about it, and Celia here can attest to it. I've been talking about the devastating impact of information overload for years and years and mm -hmm. years, and it changes yeah. everything. So I was focusing on how it changes diplomacy, but it changes everything. It turns out it changes the way our brain functions. And, um, and as a result, people, and that's the scary thing, people think it's legitimate to kill all the Israelis. I want you to understand what it means. This is yes, not to yes, say yes. we are here for freedom for the Palestinians, a state for the Palestinians. That's not what they're saying. I saw um, someone uploaded a, a video on Facebook from a demonstration at UC Berkeley. So, so one Israeli student went to one guy who turned out to be a faculty member, a faculty member, and told him, "Why do you understand what you what you're saying when you say from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free?" It means that Israel will not exist. So this fact, this professor said to him, yes, yes, that's exactly what I mean. Israel has no right to exist as an ethnostate. That's how he described it. And then the, the Israeli asked him, are you, a, what are, you, are you a student? He said, no, I'm, I'm a professor here. What do you teach? He says to him, I teach human anatomy in the Department of Biology. Wow. This guy is teaching human. So he so said, it's not, this guy has PhD. He's not stupid. He knows exactly what it means. And yet, he wants it to happen because in his mind, in his binary mind, there's good versus evil, and evil must be eradicated. There's no gray. But, you know, we spoke about it many times, about the fact that Israel always needed, needed chose to apologize for its existence. And, you know, what country in the world is apologized? Of, uh, I didn't a, grow up like this. You no, know, there's just, I'm talking about here, that you're here and you hear it from there. And the fact is that the, you can uh, raise the question if it's legitimate to have Israel or not. Israel is there, period. You know, you have to deal with this. And Israel shouldn't apologize for anything. 
I mean, we we made many mistakes and we still make mistakes. We still have the we occupation. Still have, we still have the occupation and we still have this government, but no apology. And the 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 question is what conversation you'll have if everybody will take it as a fact that cannot change. How do you what's the dialogue with Israel? Well, the, the problem was, of course, with, with us, with Israelis, with, with sure. our leaders, our leaders. Uh, always when they were given a chance to talk about Israel to the world, the only thing they did was they discussed Israel's problems in the geopolitical right. context. And therefore, they they basically put that question out there. And it did not start with Netanyahu. It started... No, it's back, ages ago. Ages ago. It's, it goes way back. Way back and Netanyahu is just uh, the epitome of that school yeah. of thought, uh, the advocacy school of thought. Everything is Hasbariyabal. No, some things are not as variable. I hope that nine, the ten seven will change that. That Israel will stop being apologetic, right. and Israel will do what needs to be done. And um, and if it means to, um, you know, to have the st the stamina, the stomach, to uh, deal with the criticism, which Israel and never take had. responsibility for for and its doing. Israel never had. I'll tell you. We never acknowledged anything. If if you if you remember, you know, we've been talking for years about the need to address the vast majority of people that don't care about the Middle East mm -hmm. and show them what Israel is all about to create a connection so that they're emotionally connected. Because if people know Israel, like Richie Torres, for example, when I was the consul general, he went to Israel and when he was a city council member, and, and now he's an advocate of Israel. Why? Because he knows Israel. He was there. He right. visited people. He connected with people. So you can't tell him that Israel is apartheid, especially not as a black man. You can't tell him that Israel is, is conducting genocide in Gaza. He knows the Israelis. He knows this is not genocide. So, But you take someone that has no idea, that never connected with Israel. Israel never made an effort to reach out to these people then they are very vulnerable and susceptible to the ideas coming from the Russell Rickfords of the world that call for the annihilation of the state of Israel, that are happy when Israelis are dying. I mean, I don't know one Israeli faculty mm -hmm. that came out strongly and said, I am exhilarated when I see dead Palestinian children. I don't know. Even from the extreme right wing, I have not heard this. Edo. And that's the difference. So what do you set me off with? Just your gut uh, feeling. I tell you what, I, 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 one reason for optimism, and, and I'll be happy to conclude with that happy thought. When you look at the challenges that Israel faced after every major challenge, and this is going to be a long-term challenge, this is going to stay with us, this conflict, this war is going to stay with us for at least a year or two, if not more. So that can be over soon. Uh, and it will devastate Israel's economy. It will devastate Israel's tourism industry. But once we will emerge, as we did after 73, as we did after 48, we will experience a very long period of growth and prosperity. And the reason is, which is what Celia has been doing and supporting universities, in her case, the University of Haifa, the reason why Israel is, uh, will prosper and grow is because Israel will continue to be a producer of knowledge that matters, knowledge that allows human progress, regardless of whether it's in Israel or beyond Israel. 
That's the reason why Israel became attractive. And don't make a mistake. That's the reason why Saudi Arabia wanted to make peace with us. Yeah. Sure. So just a gut feeling. Thank you. Biden or Trump next year? I don't think that, um, again, this is, it's difficult to predict. Um, but I think that despite the fact that Biden is a very vulnerable uh, candidate, um, it's been amazing on Israel, by the way. Yeah, um, I don't think that uh, Trump can beat Biden. I really don't see that happening. Uh, yeah, I so. that as as vulnerable Biden is, I think that Donald Trump is more vulnerable, and um, and eventually, I think that his legal cases will bring him down. That's my that's my opinion. Ido, thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you, Tzili. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. See you At next week. At least we get a little bit smart.